Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. I mean, they're laying their cloaks, they're taking their clean clothes off, and your mom would ground you for a month to make you wash your own clothes if you threw your clothes down in the dirt like that to have a guy ride over it with his steed. Right? And why do they do that? Because they recognize royalty. And the people were taking off their very clothes, things that their prized possession at the moment, and they laid it down to worship, to honor the royalty, the king that's coming through. And yet Jesus didn't come on a white stallion. Come on, if it had been you, you'd have found the biggest horse, the Clydesdale, to come in so everybody would know. And Jesus says, no, because Scripture says he will come in humble. And so he found a colt. And the Bible says the cult that hadn't been ridden. How many know that's not a great idea? Right? Has anybody ever seen one? I mean, a cult or a donkey that does not want to be ridden on, no matter how seasoned they are, refuses. Why do they they use the term stubborn as a donkey? Because if they don't want to go, they are not going to go. If they don't want you on their back, they will not let you on their back. And yet Jesus to fulfill scripture, says go into town, find a colt tied up. And if somebody says, what are you doing? Duh. He said, you tell them the Lord needs it. And scripture says in a couple of the accounts in the gospels that as they untied the colt, somebody came out and goes, what are you doing? And one of them said it was the owner. And they said, the Lord wants it. And he goes, oh, okay. And it so intrigued them that they followed them to see what was happening. Do you know what the palm branches are today? It's our hands waved before him. I mean, anybody got a palm branch in their back pocket? Did you bring one today? You carry them with you. He created two in you. Your palm branches are to wave to him. Why? To to show that you honor him, to glorify his name. Now, being of the statue that I am, I wave my hand so people won't step on me. I want you, I want to get your attention. You know what that palm branch does? It gets your attention. It is unashamedly, I am waving them to him, to honor him. Today, Palm Sunday. Today, I, I, want, to, I want to go a direction. Uh, I, I don't usually title messages, but man, when God pops me, uh, you know, I write it down. And, and I was talking to a friend Wednesday night. And it was just sharing some thoughts with them. And, and, and this came to me when I was talking to them. And I said, I know what I'm going to put on this uh, title. I'm going to title my message. And they said, I've never known you to title message. I said, well, I, I hardly ever do. It was somebody from my previous church. And, and uh, when I got off, I mean, no, I had those senior moments. I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember half of it. And it was so frustrating. So about 1230, it hit me. Kept it, Holy Spirit. If you want me to write that down, and I want to write it down, please remind me what that is. So today I want to talk about with you, release or resolve. Okay, not and. Either release me from it or resolve me to see it through. Anybody? Right? In all of our lives, at least once or maybe several times, you, we have been challenged to do something greater than ourselves. Where you've been challenged to give beyond your means, to do beyond you think your physical ability. 
If you can do it on your own, you don't need God. Young man says, I just don't know whether I believe. I said, dude, if you're living life to the fullest and you're living it a great life and you don't need God, then can continue to do what you're doing. He goes, I don't think as a preacher you're supposed to tell me that. And they go, then obviously you're convicted with the way you live. <laughs> I mean, come on. But if you're living life and it's going great for you and you don't need God, man, keep doing what you're doing. Write a book, man, make millions. I said, but if it's not going like you know it could or should then maybe you need to change the direction you're going. Maybe you need a different kind of fuel. Most of us feel that we want to leave some type of legacy, don't we? I mean, I mean, down deep, don't we want to leave the place that we're in right now better than the way we found it? We may be drawn to a certain cause, something that keeps us up at night. When's the last time that you were so stirred about something you couldn't even sleep? Then maybe we need to get back on our face before God until we, we find out. I heard it on the radio a couple of days ago. It said, if you can't find kindness in the world, then you become kindness. <laughs> That's so simple but so profound. If you can't find somebody nice, then you become somebody nice. This week, twice, Walmart. <laughs> that old lady to my face, this line is closed. And put the tape in front of me. I had, I had six items. I mean, we, we had hardly anything in our basket. And instead of just going, y'all come up, I'll take y'all, but I'm not doing anybody else. No, she cut us off. And I wasn't thinking about kindness right then. <laughs> we had somebody in the store when I said, excuse me, they had the apron on. Okay, they worked there. <laughs> the orange apron, I won't tell you where it was at, Home Depot. And <laughs> as she's walking up, I just, I just need to know where to find this. I don't need your help. I don't need you to you know, tell me anything. I just want to know where it's at. I need to see it. And as she walked up, I got my witness right here. I said, excuse me, can you? And she said, I've already clocked out. <laughs> Anybody ever want to throw something? If I could have hit her, if I, I'd have been so embarrassed if I'd have thrown it and missed her though. And it was my phone. I paid for it. So. But I'm going to tell you, man, the thought was not Christ-like. So if you can't find kindness, then be kindness. And you know what? I don't, man, she may have had a long day. She may have had a hard day. Now, that wasn't the way I would have handled it, but you know, it's okay too. It doesn't mean I'm right and she's wrong, but she was way wrong. That, that is not good. That is not, somebody needs to, man, I, I need, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go hire myself in to show them how to be hospitable, Right? Come on, man, that's not the way to do business. You know, it's not. So you, you, you shut the line off, but you say, you come on, I will finish, I'll take you, but I'm going to cut everybody else out. That's good business. Hold on a minute, I got to get, get centered again. <laughs> man, maybe it's something that we personally went through and we don't want others to go through it. One of the hardest things for me to hear was, during this pandemic, and my son is in the army, is in Afghanistan, 
Nobody at the church contacted my daughter-in-law to see how she was doing. Boy, that breaks my heart. Breaks my heart. If, if, if you're sick, people from the church need to call you and check on you. Okay? If somebody's sick and you don't see them here today, you need to contact them today. Don't wait on the pastor to do everything. It exhausts the pastor and his wife that have to keep up with all of y'all. I'm, I'm, hey, I can say it now. I'm retired. Y'all don't pay me nothing. <laughs> no, I'm going to lay it out to you. And, and eating, I'm, I'm telling you, there's nothing more exhausting than somebody who goes, hey, you didn't call me. I said, you miss two weeks every month. Why? You should be in church every time doors open. Why? Because we're here together. Right? Okay, now this could either be a long day or a great day. <laughs> okay. I invited some family and he says, he says, well, how do you preach? And I said, well, here's the deal. If you listen well with me and you give me feedback, it is a short and powerful sermon. But if you just make me work hard, it's going to be a long day. And I can do without lunch. I'm just, just going to tell you. So you're going to work with me? <laughs> okay. I got an amen here. You can leave early. Anybody else? <laughs> yes, he did. Well, <laughs> well, I'll even take you to lunch, man. <laughs> Come on. Sometimes, why, and I, I told my daughter-in-law, she said, I don't understand that. And I said, well, you know, now you understand when you get back into church to make sure that nobody else feels that way. We can't just let that fuel our bitterness. We've got to allow it to fuel our, I'm never going to let anybody new come through that door. When I came in new, nobody welcomed me. Now, I'm not talking about here. You guys told us we, hey, you're our new Rick and Susan. I go, man, I didn't even get three steps in. I don't even know who they are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but here we are. Rick and Susan 2.0. So the, the, the deal is, man, if you remember how it felt to come in new, don't let somebody else new come in and feel that. Now, I'm not talking you got to hug them and jump in their arms and, and I'm like, I mean, come on. <laughs> Ooh, okay. But I'm just saying... Yeah, don't kill them. You can wound them, but don't kill them. Yeah, give them a bruise, but don't. But, but seriously, come on. If you understand what it feels to be alone and you see somebody and they say everything is fine, but their eyes tell you something different, don't leave them alone. Now, you can't make them come to you, but you can at least tell them, hey, you don't have to be alone. I'm here. Here's my number. You can call me. You know, you can give them space. Because the reality is, is if we, there are a lot of things in life, if we don't do ourselves, we don't learn the lesson. Thinking all the time. Uh, Mom and dad did maps. If you're in the Assemblies of God, you probably know what that is. It's mobilization, something, something, something. And, uh, but they went and helped churches. Like this size, we can't afford to hire somebody to, to build. Well, these are all people with the skills. They're electricians and builders and plumbers. And, and they just drive to your church in their RV. You give them a place to park, and they bring their skills for free. Can anybody say hallelujah, right? Because that, I mean, seriously, man, uh, they say, and they can do it all. And so you come in, they, they have a, you have a, con, a contractor, and then, you know, they work under, under him. And so what dad would build and mom would stain and, and then, you know, uh, do everything. And... Um, I have no idea where I was going with that. 
I just went, whew, man. To understand the cross, we have to start in the garden. For me, I see it as the point of no return for Jesus. He's there. We're going to read it. Go to Matthew chapter 26. Let's move on. Matthew chapter 26. We're going to jump into verse 36. If you haven't your Bible, say amen. If you're going to read it on the screen, say I love TV. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. So he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So going a little further, he fell with his face to the, to the ground and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So let's get the picture, mental picture in our head. So Jesus said, Hey, it's time for us to do some praying. He's feeling overwhelmed. Why is it, I don't know about you, but sometimes I, mean, I, I have to get really overwhelmed before I finally just I collapse to my knees. Why don't I just, when I start feeling that anxiety, automatically go to him? Why do we do that? Anybody else? I mean, it just, it's just like, why do we have to get so overwhelmed that it almost forces us to our knees to pray? When we, when we start feeling that anxiety, it ought to be that. Come on, when I start getting a headache, I immediately grab the aspirin. Right? Come on, when, when I'm hungry, I immediately go to the fridge. Stay out of my way, but I'm right there, right? Because I'm hungry. So he's saying, I'm feeling troubled, and I know what I need to do. I need to get on my face before the Father. So he takes the disciples, and then he takes his three, three closer ones. I wonder if they pray better than everybody else. Who you surround yourself with, right? These guys have prayed with him before, I bet you. I bet you they've been around him when he was troubled more than the others. So he takes them a little further in, and he says, pray with me. I am overwhelmed with sorrow. Can I be honest with you? That's, I can hardly walk another step feeling so burdened. And then what's his prayer? Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So, Father, either release me from this burden, because I mean, this is going to be too much. I don't want to do this. If there's any other way, release me from this. But if you're not going to release me from this, if this is for me, if this is what I'm supposed to do, then give me the resolve and the determination to do it. Because it's going to get real. And God, I, I don't want to wig out. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, wave thing. I don't want to, you know, um, I don't want to go back and forth. I, I want to be right. I want to be firm. And then verse 40, he returned to his disciples and he found them praying hard for him and lifting him up in prayer. You know, the hardest thing in life is, is when you have people that have been with you and they've seen the struggles in, in, in the time that you need them the most. Have you ever been that one? 
Man, there's no gut-wrenching thing than to let somebody down when they really need you the most and you couldn't be there or wouldn't be there. So he found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for just one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body, the flesh is weak. So in other words, man, the prayer is not just for me, it's for you as well. When we pray, it strengthens us, it gives us the courage. So Jesus went a second time and he prayed, Father, my Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Father, if I'm not going to be released from this, then give me such a Holy Spirit resolve that there's absolutely no turning back. And then he was so encouraged when he went back and he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. Well, that's encouraging. I mean, the first time is okay, but then the second time? But he found them because they were exhausted. So he left them and he went away once more. Didn't even wake them up this time. And he prayed the third time saying the same thing. Three times Jesus went and he said, either release me from this or give me the resolve to see it through. Then he returned to his disciples. Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hand of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. For Jesus, either release me or give me the resolve. John chapter 12, verse 27. He says, now my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Man, what a statement. That you know that you are fixing to walk into a battle, maybe the battle of your life, and yet you realize beyond any shadow of a doubt, I'm where I'm supposed to be. I know I'm supposed to be here, but God, I don't like this. I know where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to do, but God, I am nervous. I am anxious. I have never felt this overwhelmed in my life, but I know that you brought me here for such a time as this. So God, either release me from this or give me the resolve to stand up to those people, to stand up for that thing, to do whatever you have called me and brought me here for this moment to do. I can think of nothing worse in life then to, to get to a moment you know that God has prepared you for and called you for, for you to wig out, for you to wimp out, for you to turn and run away. Because the sad reality is, is we don't know we'll get a second chance. There are a lot of things in life you and I get one opportunity. We have to seize the moment because you may not get another one. Luckily, there are a lot of things that God gives us second chances. Aren't you glad of a God of second, third, and fifth, and twelfth chances? Right? That God is still doesn't give up on us even though we've given up on ourselves. That God is still nudging us. His Holy Spirit is still pushing us. I've got something. I hadn't quit on you. I, I don't need you to quit on you either. Come on. Look up. Forget that everybody else on this side of the room doesn't like you. There's three on this side that do. You know, sometimes the person in the mirror is all you need because you ain't got nobody else. What shall I say? Father, 
save me from this hour? No, this is why I came. Not looking forward to it. Jesus obviously was not happy about what was fixing to happen because he knew. Jesus' whole being cringed at the thought of going to the cross. As you think about that statement, his whole body cringed at going to the cross because he knew what it looked like. He knew what it was going to happen. But his whole being cringed even more at the thought of not doing the Father's will. Somebody asked me, you're just straight-laced, weren't you? You didn't drink, you didn't smoke, you didn't cuss, you didn't fight. Well, there's reasons I didn't fight. <laughs> I mouthed a lot. I got, my mouth, I got myself in, into several situations, but I had big friends, so, <laughs> so maybe that empowered me. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm thinking of several situations that I shall not share. Oh, they were good times, good times. <laughs> and they said, so what kept you away from all that? Because I had some friends that just got in trouble for just stupid stuff. And I said, my father. They said, oh, you're spiritual. I said, oh, no, my earthly father. <laughs> I mean, my heavenly father had been bad enough, but I know he'll forgive me. I said, my earthly father. And I said, honestly, I can't imagine calling him from the police station to come pick me up from jail. Because it would, it would absolutely crush him. And I said, I, I, don't, I don't want my dad to ever look at me that way. I don't want my dad to be disappointed. I mean, I, I don't get that I have never disappointed him. But I'm talking about like that, right? I'm talking about heavy disappointment. I don't want to disappoint my father. And then I've always felt the Holy Spirit nudge me. Well, how about me? Do you, you want to disappoint me too? Man. I don't disappoint my father. Can you imagine the look on his face when he rounds a corner and there I am, he's bailing me out again. I don't want to disappoint my father. But I morally, morally, I more so don't want to disappoint my heavenly father. I want to do exactly what he's called me to do to the best of my ability, knowing that in my lack, my weakness, as Paul said, I am strong. He'll equip you to do whatever he's called you to do. So here we see Jesus, his resolve to work the plan. Jesus goes back to, all right, we were there at the beginning together. We worked this plan out. I'm in. So we start the last week of Jesus' life with a parade. The triumphal entry to Jerusalem. He enters like a king. Go to Matthew chapter 21. We just read some of it. Matthew 21. Now that clock right there doesn't work. Is that right? That battery's dead, so it's good. <laughs> it's still 1045. Just seeing if anybody's awake. Matthew chapter 21. Don't you worry. Susan's up here. She's keeping time. She does this. You know what that means to me? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. I'm just going to tell you, she's tried to stop me many times in 35 years. Only twice. Once my water broke, and yeah, you'll stop. I mean, you know what I'm saying? You'd, 
Verse, uh, chapter 21, verse 1, they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two disciples saying, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them, bring them to me. If someone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. They took this, verse 4 is, is the deal. You need to underline it. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks, cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while the others cut branches from the trees and they spread them on the road as well. They waved them. The crowds went ahead uh, of those that followed and shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? And the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The main thing here is Jesus endured a lot of unnecessary things in his last week. But every one of them had the words to fulfill prophecy. And that's why he did them. Did he have all these things have to happen? They didn't to, for the crucifixion, but they happened because it was to fulfill a prophecy. Okay, why is that important? It's because it shows that God is a man of his word. These prophecies about Jesus were made hundreds of years before they happened to prove that when God says it, he will deliver it. What has God promised you? If he said it, then he will deliver it. Did you dream it? Did you want it? Is it something you conjured up? Or is it something that God birthed in your spirit? Is it something that God gave you? If it's something he gave you, then you say, either God release me from that because I'm tired of thinking. Anybody else like me in the fact of once you say I can do something, I'm ready to get it done. Let's do it. Let's get it. Okay. Well, I want to do this. Okay. What's it going to take to do that? We figure it out. We make a plan. Then it, let me go. Unleash me. Right. Unhook me. Let's go. One thing that drives me more crazy than anything else is to make a decision. Let's do it. Why are we still standing here? If we're not going to do it, then let's do something else. Committees are the worst. <laughs> because everybody's excited about it, but then when it comes to putting your hand, getting your hands dirty, nobody wants to do it. Those people need to get out of my way. Because if God's ordained it, God wants it done, then let's do it. Why are we still sitting on it and not doing it? How many of you know that God's timing is not always yours? So this is where the release and resolve for me comes in. So God, you told me we got to build, and yet people are leaving instead of coming in. So all the money's leaving, so how are we going to build? And then a building across the street opens up. It's a $1.2 million building. God says, you can have that. And I said, let's get it. Parking lot alone was worth gold. The things we could do there for you in the kingdom. 
Man, we could open up that back. Man, we could have a place for after school. We had already talked to people in the school. Man, we were set up. Free computers from the government. Man, we were rolling. We were given $244,000 with 50 people in the church. Can anybody say hallelujah? <laughs> yeah, I didn't get a raise. We paid off the van. We didn't owe anybody anything. We were ready to go. And during that week, we started making plans for the building. I even called the realtor. We walked the building, me and some of the board members. We drew out plans. I hand drew plans for you, builder, for you. I even drew the corner stuff, a little where the doors open up. It looked good. I hand drew what I feel like God placed in my heart. Twice within a week and a half, I heard testimonies where God gave million dollar buildings to ministries for $100,000. I got $100,000 I'd give away for a million dollar building. Because we're not living on that. So I went over there and I offered that guy $100,000 cash right now. He looked at me just like y'all are. <laughs> and they go, dude, let me tell you a story I heard this week. Oh, I told him. So then I talked to the owner. I found out who owned it. And you know, the owner gave vans away to this woman's ministry in, in Jackson all the time. I'm not talking clunkers. I mean, he'd get new ones. He'd fix them up, paint them, give them to them. This guy did stuff like that all the time. Maybe I need to tell him my story. So I did. I appreciate your, your fire, man. I appreciate your dreaming. That ain't gonna happen. I'm saying, you sure God's not talking to you, man? Sure, let's pray again. And one day as I was praying, I was just frustrated with God. Anybody? No, don't even raise your hand. Just frustrated with God. You gave me this dream. Look at the plans that you gave me. I mean, they were good. Man, the youth room and the kids room. We had the nursery. Man, we had all security. Oh my goodness. The parking lot itself, God, what we could do in the community. And you know what God did in prayer one day? I'm just frustrated with God. I'm going, come on, you gave me the dream. I really believe you gave this to me. Then why, are, why can't we do it? And he goes, do you trust me enough to give up the dream to see what else I want to do? <laughs> why are you taking me through this? And God, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And I begin to pray. Then God released this dream from me because I can't stand it anymore. I'm absolutely getting physically sick. If we can't do it, then, then let me put that fire somewhere else. My mom used to pray that God would take this physical stubbornness and turn it into a spiritual stubbornness for him. Anybody understand what I'm saying there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, I didn't understand that until like a couple weeks ago. I hurt my feelings when I understood it. No, but you know, that's the reality of life. 
And I said, God, if you take this dream that you've given me for that and turn it somewhere else then, if we're not going to do it, release me from this so I can resolve to do something else. Look what Jesus did for us. He gave up more than anybody ever gave up for you. And he went to God and he said, either release me from this or give me the resolve to see it through. And he jumped in with both feet. So it's to believe that he entered into Jerusalem on Sunday. On Monday, he goes to the temple. He finds the leadership more interested in making money instead of making disciples for God. They'd made the temple more of a business instead of a ministry. So Jesus' famous phrase, again, it's about the word. It is written, okay? It was prophesied, right? It is written, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. He understood why they were doing what they were doing because you had people that couldn't travel with the animals or they didn't have the animals, so they came there. They gave them opportunity to purchase the animals for the sacrifice because they had to have them uh, these leadership saw an opportunity for profit they weren't building missions they weren't building uh colleges over in where's randy at tanzania i was gonna say zimbabwe i knew it was close right aren't they close i don't i have no idea well i have to ask my grandson because he knows exactly where they are grandpa <laughs> y'all should yeah no, they were pocketing it. They were, they were making money on it. So Tuesday, he spoke to the people in many parables. Nothing mentioned in the gospel about Wednesday. Thursday was the Passover celebration known as the Last Supper. It'd be Jesus' last opportunity to prepare his disciples for what was to come. It's interesting is he'd already told him several times what's what's coming what's happening but how many of us really got get it the first time i mean how many of us really understand the brevity of the first time i mean we have to finally get to a place where you know what this is really going to happen this is you know when 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 you're told you're going to have surgery and then it's the, the 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 day before right i mean it's a total different feel right and then the day of, you're just kind of kind of numb. The Last Supper is where we get our directive for communion. The wine represents the blood that Jesus shed on the cross for our sins. The bread represents the broken body for our healing. Now, after the supper, he and the disciples went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. This is where Judas uh, betrays him. This is where his disciples desert him. Desert, desert. Deezer. They left him hanging. Then the trials to find him guilty of blasphemy so that the Jewish leaders could kill him started. So first he was taken to Annas, who was the former high priest, who was the father-in-law to the current high priest, Caiaphas. Annas is still pulling the strings, hello? So Caiaphas, he goes to Caiaphas. So what's interesting is, is the Jews could have stoned him, but they couldn't hang him on the cross. They could not execute him. They could have stoned him for blasphemy, but they were fearful. They were afraid of the people because the people saw him as a prophet or some kind of guy from God, right? So 
If they stoned him, then the people, they were scared they would ride and turn on them. Fear and money are your greatest motivators in life today. Fear and money. Or the fear of losing money. Well, that'll really get you. All right? Yeah. So they wanted him dead. They just wanted to make sure they didn't have blood on their hands. Right? You know people that'll do that? They'll go to the nth degree to make sure that they're clean, but they were, they're as guilty as anybody else. Do you know if you go into a, a bank with somebody and they rob that you're an accessory? You're as guilty as they are, even though you didn't hold a gun or just sitting in the car waiting for them to come out. You will go to jail too. You're an accessory. I have a friend in high school that knows that well. It's a whole other story for another time. So they go to the high priest. They do all of that. Caiaphas, the current high priest, sends them to Pilate. Now, the Roman governor is the only one that can actually do the execution. But Pilate can't find him guilty of anything. He doesn't like the Jewish leadership. There is no love loss. Anything he can do to just giggle, and anything they can do to him, likewise, but he can't find Jesus guilty of anything. So he doesn't want to hang him. So then he finds out that Herod, who is the governor actually over the region of Nazareth where he's from, he said, hey, he's in town for the celebration. Let's let him be the bad guy in this. Yeah. Any of y'all like your, 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 uh, your spouse to be the bad guy? It's so much easier at home. Some of y'all just don't want. <laughs> so Herod didn't want to get his hands dirty either, so he sends him back to Pilate, who eventually, after many attempts to try to free him, gives the death sentence. All this happening in the early hours of Friday morning leading into sunrise. Jesus was more than just a good man. A good man is never going to be good enough to be the perfect sacrifice has to be the son of God. The sacrifice of a good man would never be good enough for the holy sacrifice needed for our sins. Jesus humbled himself. He gave up his divine position, his personal rights. Again, no one has sacrificed more for you than Jesus. People go, why do you think you owe him? It's because I owe him everything. I owe him the breath that I have in my body today. Because I may not have it tomorrow. Or it may end at noon today. I don't know. Man, as kids, we're dumb. We do dumb stuff. Hey, watch this. Are the last great words that most kids say before they... (laughs) Right? And we went off ramps and off... Roofs of houses. I mean, just crazy. We should be dead today. We should absolutely be dead today. Or at least maimed. Really, I'm six seven, but <laughs> just my legs go up to here from jumping off of stuff. I don't know. Come on. We do dumb things as as kids. And if we got what we deserve, but the grace of God and what he's done for us. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. Come on, man. It's easy to die for somebody or do something, you know, risk your life for somebody that deserves it. Or if you're trained to do it, man. 
but to die for somebody who's going to turn around and spit in your face. Do you know that those guys mocking Jesus, spitting in his face, going, tell me who it is because they had him blindfolded, are the ones he died for. Does that mess anybody else up? Because if they'd have said, tell, tell, say who hit you, oh, I would have. I would have. Come off that cross. Man, I would have. Aren't you glad I'm not Jesus? Because if he comes off the cross, you're not saved. You have no redemption. But I wonder, it's just me, but I wonder that when those guys were slapping him in the face and said, who is that? He's going, Joseph, you're married to Cynthia and you've got four kids that I love so much. Bam! Tell her who it is, Jesus. You're Ronald. Your wife is Carol. And you have the most special son that I'm going to die for today. Puts a whole new perspective on humility. Because I'm telling you, if I could have, I would have. He could have called legions of angels. Legions. At his hands, at his fingertips, at this, the word, just a word. And they were, they were sitting on ready. But Jesus had a resolve. I'm going to all the way to the end. Because he knew if I don't do it all the way to the end, then everything I've gone through was wasted. Anybody, have you ever got to a place where I just, you just, you were ready to quit, ready to give up. You just, you couldn't see it because of the darkness. And then the thought always hit me. God, don't let everything I've gone through be wasted by me giving up. Give me the resolve, take another step. Help me crawl, one more crawl. Maybe you're on your hands and knees at this point. Can I tell you, God's all right with that? Because you know what? He's right there with you. Going, you yeah. Come on, one more, one more, one more, one more. Following the betrayal, the arrest, the false accusations, desertion, denial, physical and emotional abuse, Jesus is brutally nailed to the cross to die for our punishment. To die for your punishment. Pay your bill. In 2000, Y2K, everybody was buying stuff because they said, it's all fixing to end. We'll let the devil pay the bill. And Y2 came and went. <laughs> we were all still there. We just had more debt. And now he's going to pay for it. During the pandemic, people started getting the same attitude. We're all going to die. This is the end of the world. But believers know that we'll know. Come on, you sense it, you feel it, you feel the shift, you feel the Holy Spirit going, ooh, get ready. You know it's coming. You know the answer, it's right around the corner, it's here. The healing is there. You know, God told me uh, about a year after, 12, 10 months after the accident, that uh, Susan will talk again. That's what he said, she'll talk again. See, this ain't talking. This, this is irritating. That's, that's not talking. 
Now, I'm talking about talking. I'm talking about the Word of God. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. While she was in the coma, we'd say, the Holy Spirit, speak to her. So when she comes out, she's got something to say. So I believe that's all bottled up, and y'all are in for a week long, whatever. And he said she would talk again. I wish it would have been yesterday, last week, years ago. 18 years into it, his promises are still true. But you see, if we quit, if we give up, if we stop, then, then we're never going to see it. I used to have a lady at the church that would have to be missed one Sunday a month. Somewhere along the line, she would miss one Sunday a month. And every time she missed, God really showed out, really moved. I mean, we had people get healed. We had people that, that everybody said could never get saved, show up for church and get saved that morning. And she said, man, when I'm not here, and I said, and that's your fault. You better be here every week because you never know what God's going to do. And how do you know that God doesn't want to do it through you? For some reason, God likes to heal through laying on the hands. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But he said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Pray the prayer of faith. Maybe it's you that are supposed to lay your hands on her for her to talk. So get to it. <laughs> right. The reality is, is God's going to get glory out of it somehow, some way. But is it is it my time? It's never my time, but it's always got to be His. So we need that resolve to say, God, today I want to be released from it. Come on, it's it's mostly about my convenience. But I want to I want to get to that place where it's more about His glory. Does that make sense? Than it is about my convenience. I want it to be about his glory. Jesus is brutally nailed to the cross to die for our punishment. We call it Good Friday, but it wasn't so good for him. It's good for us. It was great for us. But that's why Jesus resolved to see it through. Because without seeing it through, there'd be no redemption. We wouldn't even have any reason to be here today unless y'all just want to hang out and go eat. So this week was hard for Jesus and his followers. By Friday night, Jesus was dead. Seemed like the end. All hope was gone. Yet in the distance, can you hear it? We hear a thumping sound. You know what it sounds like? The sound of a heartbeat in the distance. Words of that Carmen song, it may seem like Friday night, but Sunday's on the way. He had told them several occasions, I'm going to die. I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to be beat. I'm going to be humiliated. You're going to betray me. You're going to leave me. You're going to desert me. He goes, and I'm going to die. But three days later, I got a job to do, and I can't do it like this. Got a job to do, and three days later, I'm coming back. And yet, where do we find them? We find them all huddled up in their house. In fact, only one, maybe two disciples were even at the cross. All the women were there. I wonder what that says. And they're huddled up because the lead, Jewish leadership have been emboldened because they, they saw it through. 
But what they didn't understand, it was part of the plan. What Satan had no clue, he thought he had won, but he had only stirred up. may seem like Friday night where you are and whatever you're going through. It's just, can I tell you, Sunday's on the way. It may be hopeless where you are and you can't see past the darkness of tomorrow, but Sunday's on the way. He said, when I promise, my word is yes and amen. So be it. Amen. That when he gives you that and he tells you that, then you've got to hold on to that with both hands, both feet, wrap your legs around it. You are not letting go. Whatever you're going through today, release me from it, God, or give me the resolve to stand firm in it because you promised to stand there with me. Let's pray. Father, given the word that you gave me to give today, let your Holy Spirit go and speak in our hearts to respond to God and how you would have us respond. Father, there's just something that releases us, God, to resolve when we step out in faith, God, to just come to you and say, I'm broken. I, I just need, I need you. So, Father, help us not to only hear, but help us to do. Help us to respond to you this morning in Jesus' name.